Okay. Today we're going to be learning the Vav Amid Beis, but we will start at the bottom of Vav Amid Aleph. We learned yesterday, we ended off the Amud with a fascinating halacha, that there's a difference between when you're within 30 days of Pesach and before that. Within 30 days of Pesach, there's more of a chiv to be cognizant of the fact that Pesach is coming, and if you're leaving home, then to do bedikas chametz, or if you're piling up an oitzer, a storehouse, to do bedikas chametz before you do that. And we learned the dinam of that yesterday, but now we're three lines from the bottom on, of Vavam and Aleph, and we're going to learn why 30 days. What's the significance of 30 days? These 30 days, what is the significance? Why is it that 30 days is the time that a person begins to focus and to remain cognizant and aware of the Pesach that's approaching? So the Gemara says, as we learned in Abraisa, Shoyalin vidorshin behilchais ha Pesach koidim ha Pesach the Brisa says that we ask Shilas and we give drashas about Hilchas Pesach before Pesach for 30 days. So starting with Purim, as we mentioned yesterday, starting with Purim, there's a chiv to be Isaac in the halachas of Pesach. So because of that, we have, we have Pesach on our minds. We're holding in the sugya of Pesach, starting from Shleishim Yoim Kaidim Achag. The Brisa goes on to say a different sheet. Rav Shem Megamliel says Shtei Shabbosos that it's not thirty days, but rather two weeks. So now the Gemara is going to try to show a makar for each of these sheetas, either thirty days or two weeks. Zokti Gemara my time of the Tanakama. What's the reason for the Tanakama? We'll turn to Vavam and Beis. Zakti Gemara Shahare Moshe Oimeid Bepesach Rishain Umazir Al Hapesach Shaini. Moshe was standing by the first Pesach and he was warning, he was teaching the halacha of Pesach Shaini. This is referring to the Psukim and Pashas Baalaischa that describe, as we'll see in a moment, that it became time for Pesach and Moshe Rabbeinu instructed that Klal Yisrael bring the carbon Pesach. This is the second year after they came out of Mitzrayim. It was the second Pesach. And the Psukim tell us that there were people that were tummy and were unable to bring the carbon Pesach. And due to their coming in front of Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu taught them the halacha of Pesach Sheni that they bring it 30 days later. We see that Moshe Rabbeinu is holding by Pesach Rishon and he's teaching the halachas of Pesach Sheni. So you see that we're shayalim vidarshim behilchis Pesach 30 days before Pesach. Shenemar, as the Pasuk says in Parshas Baaloischa, that Moshe Rabbeinu instructed Viyasu B'nei Yisrael as HaPesach B'moyadoi that Klal Yisrael should make the Korban Pesach in its time. Uksiv and the Pasuk over there goes on to tell us that Vayhi Anoshim Asher Hoyu Tameim L'Nefesh Adam that there were people that were Tamei and ultimately the Halacha was that they should bring a Korban Pesach 30 days later. So we see that 30 days is the time to start 
on being Isaac and the halachas of what's to come 30 days after that. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, who was the other shita of the Brisa, he says there's no raya from here. He says, Aidi de Airi bimili de Pischa, since over there they were talking about the Inyanam of Pesach, so Masik lahu lechol mili de Pischa, so it continues with all the Inyanam of Pesach. But it's not a raya that we start 30 days in advance. Over there, they were, we were doing Hilchas Pesach because it was Mamish Pesach time. So Moshe Rabbeinu also included, the Seder of the Parsha is also to include Pesach Sheni, which was a month later because we were already learning Hilchas Pesach. But that doesn't mean in a regular scenario, in a regular Pesach, that doesn't mean that we have to start preparing 30 days before. My time with Rav Shem what's the reason of Rav Shem who says two weeks? In when Klal Yisrael was in Mitzrayim, and they were getting ready to leave Mitzrayim, and Moshe taught them the halachos of the Karben Pesach, so it was Rosh Chodesh, Umazir El Pesach. It was Rosh Chodesh Nisan when they were in Mitzrayim, and Moshe was teaching them about the Karben Pesach. Where do you see now? What does that mean? The Pesach we know is two weeks into Nisan. So if Moshe Rabbeinu is on Rosh Chodesh and he's giving them instructions about the Karben Pesach, so obviously we start two weeks before. Shenemar, as the Pasuk says in Parshas Boi, HaChodesh Hazel Lochem Rosh Chodeshim, that this month is the head, is the first of the months, which the Gemara right now assumes was said on Rosh Chodesh. Uksiv Dabru El Kaladas Yisrael, and in that Memra, Hakadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe to tell Klal Yisrael Dabru El Kaladas Ben Yisrael Leimar speak to the whole Tzibur of Klal Yisrael, saying that Be'osar Lachodesh Hazeder on the tenth day of the month, Viikulahem Ish Selabeisavais that each person should take a sheep. And they would watch, they would be shomer that sheep for four days. And ultimately on the 14th day of Nisan, they would shecht it to eat on the night of the 15th. So you see that from the time that Moshe Rabbeinu taught the halacha until the carbon Pesach was brought was two weeks. Sakti Gemara, how do you know it was two weeks? Just because it says this month will be the first of the months doesn't mean that today is the first day of the month. Saying that this month is the first of the 12 months doesn't mean that it's the first day of the first of the 12 months. The Gemara says, How do you know that it was the beginning of the month? Maybe it was the fourth of the month. Or the fifth of the month. And Moshe Rabbeinu was telling them that on the tenth of the month they should bring it, they should, they should, um, secure themselves an animal for the carbon Pesach. So we have to go away from this raya, and we don't have a raya from the Pasuk of Achredish Azelochem that you should start learning Hilchas Pesach two weeks before Pesach. So the Gemara goes on to try a different raya. Zokti Gemara, Elo. Omar Rabba Barshimi Mishmeidu Ravina. Rabba Barshimi said in the name of Ravina Mehocha that we learn it from here. That it says in Parshas Baalois Chavayedaber Hashem al Moshe b'Midbar Sinai. Hashem spoke to Moshe in the Midbar. Bashana Hashenis in the second year, Bachedish Arishon in the first month. 
That over there in Parshas Ba'aloischa, which is the Parsha that we started this Amud with, that has the Halachas of Pesach Sheni, but right now the Gemara is not focusing on the Pesach Sheni aspect of the Halacha. The Gemara is focusing on the first part of what Moshe taught them, which was that they should bring a regular carbon Pesach. So it says that they were in the Midbar Sinai on the second month, on the first month, meaning Nisan, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe to instruct Klal Yisrael, V'yasu b'nei Yisrael Pesach that Klal Yisrael should make the carbon Pesach in its time. So the Gemara now assumes that that must have been on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. But then the Gemara asks, who said it's Rosh Chodesh Nisan? Um, now, just again, if, if it was Rosh Chodesh Nisan, so again, you have two weeks from Rosh Chodesh Nisan till Pesach, so you would have a very good raya that you have two weeks to prepare for Pesach. But Hachanami, the Gemara says, here too, we have the same objection. How do you know that when it says that they were in the first month, that it means that they were the first, they were in the first day of the first month? Maybe it was not the first day. Who says it was in the beginning of the month? Maybe it was on the fourth of the month or the fifth of the month. No, over here the Gemara has a response. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchok. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchok said, Asyo Midbar Midbar. We learn now to figure out what day of the month it was. We learn out Exerishava Midbar Midbar. Ksiv Hacha Midbar Sinai. It says over here in Parshas Baaloischa that it was in the Midbar. Uksiv Hasam. And it says in the beginning of Chumash Ba Midbar. It says, "Vayedaber Hashem el Moshe b'Midbar Sinai b'Oyel Moed b'Echad l'Chodesh Hasheni." It says that Hakadosh Baruch Hu spoke to Moshe in the Midbar. That's the the key word Midbar, and it says that it was on the first of the second month, meaning the first day of the second month, meaning Rosh Chodesh Iyar. But you see that when it said the word Midbar, it was talking about Rosh Chodesh. So the Gemara says. Just like over there in the beginning of Parshas Bamidbar, it was Rosh Chodesh, meaning Rosh Chodesh Iyar. Afkan Rosh Chodesh, over here also, when Hashem appeared to Moshe in the Midbar to tell him about bringing the carbon Pesach, it's also, we, we, we say that it's Rosh Chodesh because of the Gzereshava, the connection of Midbar Midbar. Zakti Gemara. Now this is interesting. The Gemara here is not asking Akasha on our sugya. But mitoich devoreinu, as we were explaining the, the, um, the, the, the halacha of Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, that one should be Isaac and Hilchas Pesach for two weeks before Pesach, and we figured out that when Moshe Rabbeinu was told to teach Elchaz Pesach, it was Rosh Chodesh Nisan, because we had a drasha of Bamidbar, Bamidbar, that is Gzereshava, to the case of the very beginning of Chumash Bamidbar, where Hashem spoke to Moshe in the beginning of the second month. All of that learning Chumash Bamidbar brings the Gemara to ask a very fundamental question. 
How could it be that Parshas Bamidbar begins with what happened on the first day of the second month, and Parshas Baaloischa took place on the first day of the first month? How come it goes backwards? How come Parshas Bamidbar happens in Iyar, and Parshas Baaloischa happens in Nisan, in the Nisan that preceded it? So that's the Gemara's Kasha here. Let the Torah first write what happened in the first month, and then only afterwards should it write what happened in the second month. Let switch around Parshas Bamidbar and Parshas Baaloischa. And now we get to a Shas Yisoyed, a Yisoyed about learning Torah. A learning chumish. Amar Rav Menashe bar Tachlifa mishmei de Rav. Rav Menashe bar Tachlifa said in the name of Rav Zoy Saimeres. From here we see Ein Mukdam Umaucher Batayra that there is no cheshbon of what came first and last in the Torah. The Torah is not written in chronological order, and there is no need for the Torah to be set up in an oifin. That's Mesudr based on Zman. Whatever the Seder of the Torah is, it's not based on a chronological order. Except the Gemara says there's a caveat to that. That is only true when we're talking about two different Inyanim, like over here, where we're talking about the Halachas of counting Klal Yisrael that are set over the beginning of Parshas Bamidbar. And then in Parshas Baalaischa, we're talking about making Pesach. It's a completely different sugya. So there, sometimes you could have things where what happened later is written earlier, and what happened earlier is written later, because it's two separate inyanim. Loyamoron el betray inyani. This was only said by two inyanim. Aval bechad inyana. But regarding one inyan, if it's one narrative or one set of halachas, so then we don't say that what came earlier could be written later or what came later could be written earlier. Within one narrative, of course, it has to be in order. My demukdam mukdam, what's written first happened first. Umay demeucher meucher, and what's written later is what happened later. The Gemara brings a fascinating proof to this. Zakti Gemara di Eloi Te if you will not say this, if you will not assume that in one narrative or in one parsha that we're going to assume that it happened in an order, so then you're going to become all messed up when you want to darshan the drushes that Chazal taught us in how to darshan drushes in, in, in Chumash. The Eloi Teimachi, because if you won't say this, Klalu Prat, Ein Bechlal Elamasha Beprat. We have a rule called Klalu Prat. Klalu Prat means that if you have a Pasuk that's Kailo, that says a, a general rule, Uprat, but then it gives a specific example, Ein Bechlal Elamasha Beprat. The specific example that's written after the Klal is coming to limit the klal to the prat that's given. So the klal is no longer a broad klal, but it's specific and limited to the prat. Okay, but that depends on us knowing the order that the klal came first and then the prat. 
So if you say that in any parsha of the Torah, what's later could be earlier, what's earlier could be later, how could you assume that the klal indeed is first and the prat is second? Klalu pratim lamasha beprat. This that you have a klalu prat, which Chazal told us that the rule is that what's in, you only have in the klal that which is in the prat. What do you mean, Dilma pratu klalu? Maybe the prat comes first. Maybe it's a pratu klal. As we'll see by a pratu klal, it goes the opposite way. That when the Torah says a detail, an example, and then it says a klal, it's coming to broaden the example and to say that that example is true in other areas as well. Zakti Gemara Visu, and furthermore, pratu klal, when you have a detail and then a klal, upon which Chazal Darshan that the klal then becomes an addition on the prat. What are you talking about? Dilma klalu pratu. Maybe it's really the other order. Maybe really the klal comes first and then the prat. And then the drush has to be aim bechlala elamasha beprat. So, so you see from the fact that in a parsha of the Torah, the Torah wants us to take very seriously what came first? Did the klal come before the prat? And in that case we say, Ein bechlal alamashra beprat? Or did the prat come before the klal? And in that case we say that the klal is being moisif on the prat. So these are very, very important questions that are tolui in what came first and what came second. So obviously in one Indian, of course, we have to assume that what's written first came first and what's written second came second. Zakti Gemara, one second. Ihachi, if you're right about that, Afilu betray in Yoni Nami. So that even if it's two different in Yonim, we also should have to be careful and assume that what was written first came first. Why? Says the Gemara like this as follows. Says the Gemara, Honichalamanda Omar Klalu Prataru Chokim Zemize. It makes sense if you would hold that when you have a klalu prat that are not next to each other, but they're separated by psukim, so then, and that we do not learn the halachas of klalu prat, it's only when they're immediately next to each other that we learn the dinam of klalu prat. So then, shapir, then I, then, then you're right. Then I concede that when it's one Indian, then you have to be very careful and know that it's written in order, but if it's in separate in Yanim, since a klaluprat ruchakim is not does not have a din of a klaluprat, so then we're good. Then it, then then you don't have to assume that the order is specific as bedafka. However, elolamanda omar donin, but the one who says that even a klaluprat that are distant from each other, even if they're in two in Yanim, that still we darshan klalu prat, so then we have to say that in different in yanim, the order is also specific, and you cannot say ein muktamu So mayikulameimer, then what will you say? So the Gemara answers afilu lemanda omar donin, even according to the manda omar that says that when you have a klalu prat that are not right next to each other, that are more distant from each other, that we darshan klalu prat. But that's talking about two psukim that are distant from each other, but they're still in the same inyan. 
But for sure, nobody holds that we darshan a klaluprat that goes, that extends more than one inyan that goes into two separate inyanim. Afilu lamanda omar donin, even the manda omar that says that we do learn such a klaluprat, hani mili bechad inyana, that's when you're dealing with one inyan, so even if they're far away from each other, we still learn klaluprat according to that shita. Avil betray inyani. But if we're talking about two separate in Yonim, ain't done and then everyone holds that we're not done klal uprat. So this has been a fascinating Gemara. The Gemara starts off bringing a raya to the din of Shleishim Yoim Kaidim Achag, that you learn the halachas of Yamtif. And then the Gemara discussed the source from Shurimeng Amliel, who says that it's not 30 days, but two weeks which then lent itself to discussing a separate question of if Parshias and the Torah are necessarily in order. And the Gemara says the Parshias and the Torah are not in order, but that's only when they're close together. If they're in two separate inyanim, so then, if they're, if they're, I'm sorry, that if they're in two separate inyanim, so then, we, then they're not necessarily in order, but if they're one Indian, then we assume that they are they are in order. Okay. Amar Rav Yehuda Amar Rav. Very, very, very important Gemara. Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, Even though our Mishnah says that on the night of the 14th, there's a Chiyav to do B'dikas Chamet, even someone who does B'dikas Chametz, someone who's Mekayim the Mishnah, and he checks for his Chametz and destroys his Chametz, so as far as he knows, he doesn't have any Chametz, still Tzarech She'yevatel. He still has to be Mevatel, he has to be Mafkir, or designate that his Chametz is, is nothing. Um, he has to do Bittel Chametz. Just because he did B'dika is not a p'tur from bittel. You have to do both bedika and bittel. Habaydek tzarech sheyevatel. My time. What's the reason for this? Zakti Gemara. mishum pirurin. If you say that the reason for this halacha is because of crumbs, because even if you got rid of the chametz, but the little tiny crumbs that are hard to see, maybe you didn't get rid of those crumbs. So, so maybe that's why you have to be mavatalit because, because you don't want to be over with the perurim, with the crumbs. Zakti Gemara, that can't be haloi chashivi. Crumbs don't have any chashivas for them. So they're like, they're like automatically bottle. They're, they're nothing. They're, they're crumbs. Zakti Gemara, so v'chi teiman, if you'll want to say, Maybe you'll want to say like this. Maybe you'll want to say that, that, that really the reason why you have to be mavatal your chametz even after you got rid of your chametz is because of the crumbs. I crumbs aren't chashev. Maybe crumbs aren't chashev stam. But if I am watching my house, I'm locking my door, I'm protecting my house because of whatever is in my house that I want to protect, but the, that means that the crumbs in my house are being protected also. And if the crumbs in my house are being protected, so that lends, that makes them, gives them a certain chashivas, they're being taken care of, they're being protected, so, 
Maybe that's why you would need to be mevatel them, because the fact that they're being watched in the house gives them a chashivas. If you'll say that because he's watching them together with the house, that it becomes chashiv, I will prove to you, says the Gemara, that even if you have something in the house that you are watching that has chashivas, that does not mean that the things in the house that are not chashiv gain any chashivas. Meaning, even though you might be watching your house and you don't want people to steal your valuables, that doesn't mean that the crumbs that are under the table have any chashivas to them, even though you're watching the house. Where do we see that, Allah? So the Gemara says, V'hotanya, we learned in Abraisa, Soyfei te'enim, the ends of the te'enim, the ends of the figs, meaning that when... when um, when the crop of the te'enim is, is finished, it's the end of the, of the harvesting of te'enim. And what's left on the trees are the few te'enim that for whatever reason are not ripe and that won't ripen. So they're very, very not valuable, cheap, you know, easy to be mafkir part of the, of the harvest. They're, they've ne- they never ripen and they never will. There's a few te'enim left on the tree. Okay, so that's something that maybe is not naturally chashev that you're watching. However, However, the grapes that are in the, on the vines in the field, that is chashev. Those grapes are still chashev. So you're watching the field, not because you care about those remaining few te'enim, but because you care about the anovim, or if it's the opposite way, if it's soyfe anovim, if it's the last few grapes that are not ripened, that, that you, you would be quick to be mafkir and not care about. But umeshamer sodeyu, but you're still watching the field, mepnei mikshois, umepnei midlois, you're still watching the field because of other vegetables, um, the, the, you know, because of uh, cucumbers or squash, Different, different vegetables, and that's why you're watching the field. So, so the Gemara says, the Brisa says, If the Balabayas is Makbed, those few Te'enim that are left are Makbed, I want them, or those few grapes that are left, I want them. So then, Asurimishum Gezel, then their Taka Asurimishum Gezel. Even though other people would be mafker, these last few te'enim or these last few grapes. But since you're makbid about them, a person is not allowed to steal them. The chayoven b'maiser, and they're chayoven maiser. We don't say that it's like they're hefker, and, and they're, therefore they're potter from maiser, but rather no, they're chayoven maiser. However, b'zman she'en balabayis makbid alayin. But if the balabayas is not makbed on them, so let's say there's a beautiful vines with luscious grapes on them, which you're, which you're watching carefully and you're very makbed on. But there is also in the same field a few shvacha te'enim that are never going to ripen. So if the balabayas is not makbed on the te'enim, this that he's watching the field carefully to protect his anovim doesn't make the te'enim valuable. 
So, bizman she'ein balabayas makbed aleim, when the balabayas is not makbed on them, mutaram ishum gezel, they're mutter from gezel, you don't have to worry about gezel, and they do have a din of hefker, because upturam ishum meiser, and they're putter from meiser. So in our case also, even though a person is still watching his house, a person has valuables in the house, and, and therefore he's watching it, but that doesn't mean that the crumbs in the house now have a chashivas. I'm watching the house because there are other things in the house, but the crumbs are still bottles. So back to our original question, once I'm baidik my house and I get rid of my chametz, why do I also have to be mevatalit? It's a gzeira that you might find a good um, roll, some kind of a chametz that's, that's delicious. And his das is upon it. He doesn't want to be mafkaret. His natural inclination is to be machshavit because it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful roll. Frakti Gemara, what's the problem? You got rid of your chametz. If you happen to find a roll, so you'll be mavatal it then. Let him be mevatalit when you find it. Zakti Gemara, that's not an option. Even though you might have thought that you can you can get rid of your chametz in the traditional way of bedika and beer, and if you find a roll, you find some delicious cake or something, um, so then you could be mevatalit then. But it doesn't work that way, Zakti Gemara. Zakti Gemara, because the problem is, Dilma Meshkachas Le'elabasari Surah. Maybe you'll find the Gluska Yafe after the Chametz becomes Aser. If the Chametz becomes Aser, so then this, this Chametz is no longer yours. So, you, so, Velav Birshuse Kaima. The, it's it's no longer in your rishus, v'leimatzi mivtel, and you cannot be mavatalit. So the, the problem is what Rabbi Yehuda Marav is telling us when he says habaydek tzarcheyavatel is that we're afraid that sometime over Pesach, not before Pesach, but sometime over Pesach, you're going to find this delicious cake or roll or some some mizaynis, which is chametz gomer. And you're going to, um, and you're not going to be able to be mevatalit because it's it's already after the zman iser, so it's not considered yours. It's not. It's the Torah takes it out of your rishos. The Omar Rabbi Elazar, because the Rabbi Elazar said shnei dvarim einon bershusay shaladim. There are two things that are not in the rishos of a person. And the Torah makes it as if they're in your Rishos. There are two scenarios where something is technically not in my Rishos, but the Torah considers it to be in my Rishos in the sense that I am responsible for it. What are those two examples? And they are Bar Rishos HaRabim, the Chameit Mishay The two cases are a bar b'shusarabim. If somebody digs a bar in b'shusarabim, so technically that bar is not his. He dug it in b'shusarabim. The ground belongs to the b'shusarabim. But the fact that the psukim and parshas meshpatim say that if you dig a pit and a animal a mushal falls into the pit and gets damaged, 
that you have to pay for it. So you see that even though the pit is not your rishus, but the Torah considers it yours, the Torah makes you responsible for it. And similarly, the Gemara says the same thing is true with chametz. That chametz, once the sixth hour of the day passes, you're not allowed to own chametz anymore. The chametz is considered is 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 not in in your rishus. It's uh, it's it's a aser It's removed from our rishus. But still, the Torah puts it into our rishus. The Torah makes it ours, but. Um, by making us responsible for it, that we're responsible if we have chametz in our rishos on Pesach. So therefore, we say that if someone is baidik, because we're afraid he might find it on Pesach, and that will be a... And that will, if he finds it on Pesach, so he's not going to be able to be mavatalit. So, so therefore... Because it's after the Zman Isser, so he's not going to be able to be Mavatalit. So therefore, we're, before Pesach, we're Mavatal, all of our Chametz, so that by the time we find it on Pesach, if Chas V'Shalom, we find Chametz on Pesach, it's already Batal from before Yantif. And we'll stop Davav Amar Aleph here.